Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I, actually, I should probably try it. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is about serial killers, right? Yeah. I Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to mention that we have a lot of fun in the show and we joke around and we will probably do that in the Serial Killer podcast. <laughs> you know we will. And I find them fascinating, but we always remember that there are real victims here and we don't want to make light of that or anything. Yeah, no, but the, the serial killers are so grisly and m- their acts are so monstrous yeah. that it almost is easy to just detach and be like, hey, what's your favorite serial killer? Right. Who is? So and they the, actually have sure. serial killer trading cards, huh? Yeah, but we don't play that game. No, we don't. We play Old Maid. So, <laughs> I'm Josh Clark. The guy you just heard talking uh, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. If this is your first time to Stuff You Should Know, um, there is a, a goodie bag that we have for you. If you'll check under your seat, should be taped under there. How if creepy it's not, would that be? send us an email and we'll try to uh, see what we can come up with. Right. Uh, as a replacement, probably just a response saying sorry. You know what they get? They get 215 free podcasts. Ooh, that's a good deal. Automatically. That is nice, Chuck. Um, so what are we talking about today? <laughs> Serial killers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, Chuck. Here's the intro. <laughs> yeah. I, if you can't tell, I'm a little twitchy, a little jumpy. You may even hear a little bit of gum in my mouth that I probably should take out being a professional podcaster. Jerry's right? shaking it vehemently. He just spit out his gum. Okay, so uh, my gum is out. But the reason I'm doing this and acting all twitchy is because I have quit smoking. For the first time in 20 years, I'm actually doing it. I've tried a couple of times, but we all know that it was half-hearted at best. Right. Uh, but I'm actually quitting smoking. Very proud of you, buddy. Thank you. I, like I told you in the email you didn't reply to, that's a very brave and terrifying thing you're doing. You have all my support. Thank you very much. I want to keep you around. And by proxy, I imagine I have Jerry's support, too. Yeah. Eh, she kind of said, eh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if I do seem a little weird, it is because of that today, and I apologize. Plus, you're flying to Japan tomorrow, so it's just all, you're all weird right now. Yeah, I am. Perfect, right. perfect time to do serial killers. Okay, so let's talk serial killers, Chuck. Chuck, where, in the name of God, did the term serial killers come from, and w- the middle of what decade did it come from? <laughs> come in. Uh, it was coined, Josh, in the mid-70s by Robert Ressler, and he was a former FBI director of the Violent Criminal Apprehensions Program, which I imagine is a pretty fun laugh-a-minute job. Right. And uh, he, he apparently he chose serial because the English police 
uh, called those kinds of crimes, crimes in a series. Right. And we uh, we find in the article written by Shannon Freeman, pretty good one, too. Yeah, I liked it. Um, that he was also a fan of serials that like you would watch like at the movies, like right. the Lone Ranger or something like that, which I thought was a little weird. Like, I love the Lone Ranger, so I'm going to give a little <laughs> shout out to him by coining this term. Yeah, they used to call them uh, mass murderers before that or my favorite it sounds like a personals ad stranger on stranger crime yeah i like that yeah uh but it is true i mean it is stranger crime and it kind of uh underlines one of the i guess the riveting and and um most characteristic aspects of serial killers mm-hmm. is that they 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 lack what would appear to any of the rest of us a motive yeah they're not killing for money um, they're not killing for, um, you know, to get rid of a problem. Right. Or because they're, they've been, they're a jilted lover. Right. The, the key hallmark of a serial killer is that they kill for the pleasure of killing. Right. Or for the sake of killing. And there are subcategories we'll get into within that, but yeah, totally right on the money there. And there's a couple of other kinds of murderers that, um, people often confuse serial killers with. So let's just clear the air right now. Let's start with mass murderers, right? What do you have to do? To become a mass murderer? Uh, you have to kill four or more people at the same time or roughly the same time in the same place. So like a school shooter would be a mass murderer. Right. Right. Right? Right. Okay. And then, of course, you've got the spree killers. Uh, those are like office shooters who go from an o- from their house, say, after killing their family. Right. And then they're like, I got one more problem place I want to take right. care of. They go to the office, shoot that place up, kill right. some more people, and then drive off to a gas station and blow their heads off in, in the, uh, in the van. Right. Yeah. Yes. And a serial killer officially defined by the FBI means you, it has to be three or more victims. And like you said, the hallmark is there's got to be a cooling off period in between. So like, I killed somebody and then, like in Jeffrey Dahmer's case, I think he waited years and years before he killed his second victim. And then another he, long period oh, yeah, yeah, in between. Yeah, because he was like 18 in, 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 when he started. And yeah. Then he, yeah. Something like that. And then he waited, and I think, in, and this is all from memory, it's not in the article. And right. then um, I think he waited a long time between second and third. And then they, you know, as usual, it starts picking up in succession the kind of off the cliff they go, the further off the cliff they go. And boy, did he go off the cliff. We're going to talk yeah. about some famous serial killers later, right? Yeah. Okay. we got to we got to mention him. Um as a matter of fact, I, I think we would be professionally irresponsible if we didn't mention Jeffrey Dahmer in depth. I think you're right. Um, Chuck, there's, uh, I think, been approximately 400 serial killers in the U.S. in the past century by estimates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and strangely, there's been, a, I think, a, an increase of some vast percentage, but 80% of those have come about since 1950. Yeah. And they actually think the earliest one, the most widely cited first serial killer in the U.S., was a guy named H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. Yeah, he the Holmes Murder Castle in Chicago at the World's Fair. He built this uh, hotel, basically, and it was literally like you check in but you don't check out type of situation. Yeah, and remember on the Urban Planning Podcast, we talked about the uh, the, the guy who came up with the – the city beautiful movement, right, and that's where he debuted. It was at that uh, at that World's Fair, right, while people were getting off at a at a hotel nearby. Yeah, eighteen ninety three. Yeah, so he's the first one. They say I think uh, twenty seven confessions, but they they as always almost with all these serial killers, they say well they tagged this many, but there may have been hundreds. Right, and then sometimes, most of the time, it's the 
they can get them for like two or three, right? Which is really all you need. Sure. Um, and then th- they'll confess to about you know X number more, and then people will suspect that yeah, there's they actually you know killed a hundred or so people. Right. But um, in other cases, it's actually they'll confess to more than they actually did kill, like. Henry Lee Lucas uh-huh. has um, come into question over the over the years as to how many people he actually killed. Like they know he killed his mother, and they were pretty sure he killed at least one other person. Mm-hmm. But if he only killed two, he's technically not a serial killer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Well, and then the, also the other thing in like the case of Wayne Williams, the Atlanta child strangler. Yeah. He uh, or I don't think he strangled Atlanta child killer. He uh, they kind of tacked on a bunch of murders. On to his rap. That they wanted to close cases on? Yeah. Did you ever hear about Pretty the, hinky case. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it kind of came back around in like 2005 or something. He was up for parole or something. And yeah. He the still case, he's innocent. The case was, um, it sounds like he's innocent if you, if you start investigating the case. Yeah. Big time. It's really circumstantial. Um, that's our opinion. <laughs> uh, so Chuck. Josh. How do you classify a serial killer? Well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, you can classify them based on motive, or you can classify them based on uh, social patterns, organizational patterns. Right. So if you're talking motive, um, you're talking about Holmes typology, named for Ronald and Stephen Holmes. Right, not H.H. H. Holmes. No. You, you become Good a serial point. killer, you're not allowed to actually classify any of your ilk, strangely <laughs> right. enough. That's true. And uh, they're authors of textbooks on violent crimes, and um, they came up with this from anecdotal data. So a lot of people poo-poo it, but when you're talking serial killers, a lot of times all you can do is interview these people and compile it and right. try and draw you know conclusions based on that. Right. So what they came up with was um, there's two kinds of, um, I guess, motive-based. Sure. Uh, there's act focus and process focus. Mm-hmm. Focus. So act focus means like you're 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 killing quickly and you're usually killing for a reason. There's a larger reason, and the killing is kind of a means to the end of achieving that reason. Right. Process focused is kind of the um, that's the serial killer who enjoys killing, enjoys taking someone's life. Will likely torture the person over a period of time. Right. Uh, will kill them kind of brutally. Uh, there's, it's not quick and it's right. messy. Right? Yeah, and there's there's subcategories within each of those. The act focused killers are visionary or missionary. Visionary means they hear voices and have like a vision, right. saying like "Go kill." I think Son of Sam was one of those. Yeah, didn't his neighbor's dog tell him to? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite a vision. And uh, missionary murders um, believe they're on like a mission to get rid of like prostitutes, like the Green River uh, killer. Or right. Jack the Ripper. Right. Um, oh, and you could also um, make the case that um, uh, John Wayne Gacy was a mission-focused or missionary act-focused serial killer because really? he had said after he got caught, like, they're going to give me an award for getting rid of these, you know, right. lousy, bad kids that I right. killed. Um, but there's also a distinction among uh, serial killers that they uh, often rationalize what they're doing by justifying it to a larger authority. Right. Like they were providing society a service. So right. depending on exactly how he was saying sure. that, it could go either way. Did you hear see what the Green River uh, killer said in his plea statement to the jury? I just hate prostitutes. I hate prostitutes. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, remember um, Van Nostren was reading a book about that. 
Oh, that's right. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the subcategories for the processed focus slow killers are uh, fall into three groups: um, lust killers. And that's pretty <clears throat> self-explanatory. Yeah. Dahmer for sure. sure. Um, but not Jack the Ripper. Right. Yeah. Dahmer. Yeah, we'll get into him. Uh, lo- uh, I'm sorry, thrill and gain killers, and that means they either get a kick out of killing or they think they're going to profit in some way. And then the power-seeking killers, who those are the guys who like to play God. And we say guys a lot because it's mostly white men. I think 80%. More than 80% killers. is what it said, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very infrequent that you have a serial killer who kills outside of his ethnic group, mm-hmm. meaning that it's white-on-white white crime. Right. Uh, very rarely do you have a female serial killer. Right. Although there's a pretty prominent one um, named Charlize Theron. Have you heard of her? <laughs> yeah. Boy, they uglied her up for that movie. Wait, they did a good That's job, That's hard too. to do. There's a picture of um, Eileen Warnos in this article, and by God, she doesn't look just like Charlie Theron in Monster. <laughs> but she killed, uh, she was convicted of killing seven men and probably killed more. Yeah. Uh, but she was one of the very few real mm-hmm. female serial killers. Yeah, there's a couple. We have a list that, you know how Josh loves this list, so... We have a list later on. We like to give the ladies their due because we get called to task for not naming female geniuses. And Chuck, there's another way to classify serial killers, and that's by um, their level of organization, right? Yeah, organized or disorganized. Right. So <laughs> organized, e.g., Dexter. You've got somebody oh, yeah. who like um, drives a flashy car. Smart. Uh, smart. Um, actually, there th- he would be considered non-social, which we can't quite wrap our heads around that. But it's um I th- I think it's ex- being excluded from society, but still being capable of existing or appearing to exist in society. Right? Gotcha. Sure. Okay. So they may also taunt the police. They're probably educated. Right. Um. And uh, they, they follow the news. Right. Keep up with modern uh, events. They have uh, daytime habits, which they, is interesting. They may show up um as a uh, like a somebody who can help the police as a witness to right. the crime or something right, right. like that just to kind of get a thrill out of that as well. Um, and then, of course, you've got disorganized, right? This yeah. is like Ed Gein or Robert Picton. Yeah. Like, just basically like the like a guy you can look at and be like, you're a serial killer, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty. they're pretty much the opposite. Like everything we said, and there's a list of like 25 uh, things here for, for organized and disorganized, and they're all pretty much opposite. So – Disorganized means you live alone, you don't date, you have no interest in the news, you have nighttime habits, you aren't interested in the cops and police work. Uh, You're kind of dumb. You usually don't dismember, whereas an organized person dismembers. Which is weird because, again, Robert Picton um, hung his victims on uh, meat hooks in his barn and disemboweled them. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but he had nighttime habits and was dis- a disorganized killer. Right. So it, it's kind of weird. I don't think anything's exactly cut and dry when it comes to serial killers. Yeah. Well, they said the majority of them are organized and non-social, but they're like, you know, we said plenty of the others as well. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I thought was interesting was the McDonald triad. Had you ever heard of this? I have, but I'd never heard of it. Ca- I'd never heard it called that. Yeah, they said that serial killers often exhibit uh, these three behaviors in childhood, and it's known as the McDonald Triad, um, formerly the Ray Kroc Triad. <laughs> um, bedwetting, arson, and cruelty to animals. Yeah, and I surprised Josh with the fact that I was 
nearly on the path myself, I guess. Because mm-hmm. famously, I'm, I was a late bedwetter, yeah. as I have admitted. Famously? And, uh, <laughs> well, whoever listens to us. And um, I was kind of into, like, fires. I wasn't an arsonist, mm-hmm. but I love playing with fire. Yeah. But I love animals, like, so crazy, so. You had the McDonald dyad. Not crazy, crazy, but <laughs> I love animals. That's funny that you bring that up, Chuckers, because... A lot of people assume that serial killers are, in fact, crazy. Right. That's really far off base, at least legally speaking, right? So there, there's a lot of debate now, actually, more than ever, um, between psychology and sociology. And we'll get into that a little further, but let, let's talk about um, you know, the kind of psychological motives. But as a little bit of foreshadowing, Take it with a grain of salt because there's a whole school of thought out there that thinks psychology has totally dropped the ball right. on explaining criminal behavior, specifically serial killing. Right. right? So standard stuff uh, that's been around for decades is um, that serial killers are the result of a combination of neglect and abuse. Right. Yes, they've done studies. FBI has done studies and interviewed dozens and dozens of killers, serial killers, all kinds of killers, and. They found a similar pattern in most of them of childhood abuse and neglect. Yeah. And it makes sense because when you're a kid, you're growing up, you're developing as a normal normal child, there are very important periods when you learn about things like empathy and trust and love and being nice with your fellow man, just very basic rules of humanity. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those, then it's not imprinted on your little kid brain and you may not be able to learn it later on in life. Right. Makes it a little tougher. Yeah, which is really sad. It it is sad, and actually, again, um, like I, I think it's appropriate that Jeffrey Dahmer is uh, off to the side in that little section because I've it's, it's really weird because I was thinking about it today. I've I've realized that I've always kind of felt bad for that guy because of the life that he had. Right, like he was abandoned by his family. Right, is not just like his parent, like one parent left. Like his, I think his dad left, and then his mom was like. I'm going to go look for a boyfriend and take the younger ones with me. You stay here. Right. And he was like 17. Right. And just left to be, live his, the rest of his life on his own. Yeah. I think that played a huge factor in it, I imagine, the neglect. Yeah. Right? And then you have um, abuse. Right. So usually they're finding when they study serial killers that there is that combination of uh, ne- neglect from the parents and um, abuse either – Direct abuse, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, physical, emotional, sexual, sexual sure. um, or witnessing the abuse of others. Or so like both. a sibling or both, I imagine, is probably worse. Right. And um, they've actually seen in rats with uh, neglect, not with the abuse part, but with neglect, uh, rats that um, are not – that are basically neglected or rejected by their parents, by their mother, right. uh, actually show – um, symptoms of rat sociopathy as they get older. I feel so bad for the rats. I know. It's like, the uh, did, does someone actually abuse the rats to see how they react? Kind of, yeah. They, like, flick them and stuff? If you put on a white lab coat, you can pretty much do whatever you right. want to a rat and, and legitimize so sad. it. Yeah, I it love is. the rats. Oh, the other thing that, you know, you mentioned Dahmer that was so disturbing and just, like, oddly fascinating was when he was a teenager, I think, one of the first really odd acts he did was he, like, saw a dead deer in the woods. Did you ever hear about that? And he, like, laid down with the deer and, like, you know, cuddled with it. It's like Johnny Depp and Dead Man. In the forest. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, then before he killed, I know he knocked a jogger out cold in the woods. 
and like laid down with his unconscious body. Yeah. To try and stave off this desire to kill. Yeah. And well, I don't even know if it was to stave off the desire to kill as much as if he was tired of people leaving him alone. Uh, maybe. And he wanted to be with people. One of the things that he was famous for was an attempt to make a zombie who would stay with him. Right. So he would, he would lure like young prostitute boys back to his house uh-huh. or his apartment and then attack them. There was one kid that he drilled a hole in the guy's head and was able to pour Drano into it. Right. And the guy stayed alive like that for a few days. Yeah. And Dahmer, I guess, said, you know, I just didn't want him to leave. Yeah, he wanted companionship. Yeah, so he was trying to make a zombie using Drano. Wow. And I think that probably also accounts for the uh, cannibalism as well. He's trying to ingest something and keep it as a part of himself. This is all just armchair psychology. Yeah, sure. But... We could pretty much charge for this with the level that psychology has <laughs> contributed so far. Right. You know? I wonder if Match.com would have been around if he could have found like a mate, if that never would have happened. Maybe so. Or maybe he would have killed the mate and then used Match.com to find his victims. Oh, yeah. So, Chuck, we are talking about whether or not serial killers are insane. And if you look at the uh, U.S. code for the insanity defense, they don't fit the bill yeah, almost want, ever. Let me read the definition. Yeah. Uh, at the time of the commission of the acts constituting the offense, the defendant, as a result of a severe mental disease or defect, was unable to appreciate the nature and quality of the wrongfulness of his acts. Mental disease or defect does not otherwise constitute a defense. Right. So you don't understand what you're doing. Uh, you don't. As right and wrong. As right and wrong. Right. And you also aren't. You're not. You're not taking a life. Like, that's not your goal. You're not thinking about that. Yeah. This flies in the face of serial killing. Well, that's why only two have only gotten off with that plea of insanity. Right. And one of them was Ed Gein, and he wore people's skin. Yeah, he was the uh, inspiration for Buffalo Bill. And Leatherface. Yeah, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Do the dance for me, baby. (laughs) Was that a Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Summer school reference when they were watching Ah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that was a reference in a reference. Wow. I thought you were going to do the, like, uh, will you help me with this couch, get in the van? Are you a size 14? <laughs> you do a way better Buffalo Bill than me. <laughs> so we should, uh, I don't know. No, wait, was she a big fat girl? <laughs> That's so disturbing. It is. Great movie, though. Yeah. yeah and we like that one picture. Yeah, sure. Did yeah. I ever tell you my Silence of the Lambs story? No. I went to, uh, in Athens in college, I went to see Dances with Wolves, and they said, and, and if you want to stay after for a free screening of... Silence of the Lambs with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. And I was like, I'll stay. And I heard Silence of the Lambs, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins. I thought it was going to be like a Merchant Ivory thing. <laughs> and like cut to 30 minutes into the movie when I have my you know, hair glued to the ceiling of the theater. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Yeah, that was a good movie. It still is, too. But I, I mean, when it came it. out, it was like groundbreaking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, Buffalo Bob and Buffalo Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one. And uh, Leatherface were both based on Ed Gein, who is one of, I think, two serial killers in the U.S. to ever get off on an insanity plea. Yeah, he he was rough, dude. He was, and he looks like it, too. He's wearing, like, flannel, and he's just yeah. standing on his porch like, I'll kill you. Right. <laughs> I'll kill you. And, and I will. And I think Psycho, um, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, is based on Ed Gein as well. Yeah. He made a big splash when he came up, because, again, I think he was in the 40s or early 50s. Yeah, he was early on. And this was way before people, had, yeah. before the term serial killer was ever around. For sure. So um, what serial killers have, as far as psychology can come up with, as far as the DSM-4, soon to be the DSM-5. Right. Right? 
which coincidentally, not coincidentally, comes out in 2012 because it's going to be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, what they've come up with is that serial killers suffer from a personality disorder. Antisocial personality disorder, um, a.k.a. psychopath. Right. And I have a buddy who's a sociologist at the University of Alberta mm-hmm. that I first ran across when I was writing an article on sociology and serial killing. And he says, of course they have a personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're ugh. serial killers. Right. Is that really the best you can come up with? Yeah. After literally decades right. of intense <laughs> research, people have, have pinned their entire careers onto the study of serial killers from a psychological standpoint. The best you can come up with is a personality disorder. Yeah. And that's sad, but true. When I, when I, when I, uh, interviewed this guy first. I, I imagined him. To, he was going to be like, "Well, you know, I th- we think we can kind of help psychology out, like maybe to understand or hash it out." He's like, "No, psychology has utterly and completely failed at this, and right. it's time to take another look at it." Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, you were talking about the uh, APD, though, the um, antisocial personality disorder. There's seven factors that determine that, uh-huh. and if you have three of them, if you're diagnosed with three of them, then I think you are considered technically, as having APD. Okay, let's see what you... I'm a little nervous right now. I know. <laughs> you playing at home, see which applies to you. Uh, number one, a failure to abide by the law or to conform to social norms. Ding. Um, number two, deceitfulness that is often found in the form of habitual lying or multiple aliases, dot, oh. dot, dot. Ding. Number three, <laughs> your aliases, <laughs> a failure to plan ahead or acting on impulse. Uh-oh. Yeah. Number four, repeated physical fights or assaults that indicate irritability or aggressiveness. No, no you're not a fighter. No. Number five, a reckless disregard for safety of others or self. I do love bumper cars, <laughs> so we'll yep. call that a ding. Okay. Number six, a repeated failure to sustain a job or an ability to honor financial obligations. No, you got a good guess. I would give that maybe a third of a ding. Well, previous life, Josh, but current Josh is... Very responsible. That is true. And number seven, uh, they are indifferent to suffering from uh, suffering of another. So basically, you don't have the mirror neuron that gives you empathy, like we were talking about with synesthesia. Okay, so how many did you have to have to have uh, APD? Um, three out of seven. Okay, I had five. Everybody, I have uh, antisocial personality disorder. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. The good news is, Josh, you are not insane. No, I know. I know it because I know uh, right from wrong. Right. And uh, if I were a serial killer, I'd just really, really like to kill. Right. Or like Gary Ridgway, I'd just really, really hate prostitutes, yeah. you know? You turned out to be a serial podcaster, thankfully for all of us. <laughs> because they occur in a series. Right. Um, Chuck, it, it, can you tell a little bit of disdain here in, in my voice? Yes. So I thought it was a smoking thing. <laughs> no. It's part of it for okay. sure. Um, but the, so back to sociology, okay? Because this oh, really boy. makes sense to me. Right. Um, the, and, but it's such a radical departure from how we've always viewed serial killers. You view them as crazy. There's some sort of psychological problem with them. Right. Right? Um, 
Sociologists say, yeah, they have antisocial personality disorder, but it doesn't mean that that's a, a, a problem psychology has to tackle. It's not a mental flaw. It's a character flaw. Right. And, yeah, I'm sure that the uh, neglect by parents didn't help. I'm sure the abuse really made it worse. Right. But people can go through that yes. and never become a serial killer. Right. And it's it's actually the the movement of this organism we call society mm-hmm. and its current mood that can produce serial killers, right? And basically since 1950, there's a lot of people who, who point to this post-1950 era as a time when there's just been such social change right. that you could conceivably call it a societal breakdown. Like degradation of morals, violent films, mm-hmm. video games where you – kill people in the first person point of view right and i didn't know this but kevin Haggerty told me this um apparently in the late early modern era mm-hmm. so say like the 19th century okay prostitutes were actually much more a part of the community than they are now right right sure so we're actually more puritanical toward prostitution than we were like 100 or so years ago interesting uh, and he's saying that as a result of prostitutes becoming more and more and more outcast by in society, um, they have become more and more of a target, right. favorite target of serial killers uh-huh. who love the act of killing. They don't hate the person that they're killing unless you're Gary Ridgway. Right. But you're just looking for somebody you can kill and get away with because you're not crazy. You know what you're doing is wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then w- that combined with society turning its back on prostitutes – making them basically live out these very dangerous lives right. has allowed the rise of serial killing to come up right? because of these changes like that. And that's just one of many changes. Right. The really disturbing part of all of this is that in sociology's view, mm-hmm. we're all serial killers. Right. We're, there's just society hasn't changed quite enough to, to trigger that behavior in us. Well, let's hope that never happens. Yeah, let's hope indeed. Yeah, that's really interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. It's like a totally different way to look at it. Totally. And it, it makes a lot more sense to me, actually. Well, you know, another way to look at it, a, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, these serial killers are so far gone then that something is up with their brain. They can't yeah. help it. Right. They've got a brain malfunction going on. And they've done a lot of studies on brain damage. And um, one I came across found that 20, 20 of 30 confessed killers, not necessarily serial killers, on death row are mentally ill, and 64% of that 20 had frontal lobe abnormalities. Sure. No accident, I don't think. And 46% of all confessed serial killers have no brain damage, so 54% do. So that's, I mean, that's almost down the middle. So I, I think there's a variety of factors, one of which definitely could be brain injury. Sure. What was that one guy... Um Oh, what was Bobby his name? Joe Long? He has the best quote in this whole article. You want to read it, but it's you have disturbing. to read it like a hick. Okay, okay. Bobby Joe Long. He was convicted of nine murders, and he stated in his quote, uh, "After I'm dead, they're going to open up my head and find that just like we've been saying, a part of my brain is black and dry and dead." So yeah, that, I mean that's that hits it on the head, man. That's creepy. It is creepy, and that's basically him saying, you know, something is wrong with my brain, dudes. And after I die, you're going to check it out and you're going to see that I'm right. And what's interesting is anytime you say a quote like that, you automatically attract people who are waiting for you to die now. Right. Because they're like, well, you just threw down the gauntlet. I want to see if part of your brain is black and dry and dead. Right. Yeah. I personally want to know. Sure. Yeah. So, Chuck, we've got 
not insane, possibly brain damaged. In my opinion, definitely a product of society. Yes. Antisocial personality disorder people. Right? Abused and neglected. So how do you how do you catch such a person? Especially if there's 400 of them over the last century in the United States. This is like a needle in a haystack, right? Yeah. Except a murderous needle. Yeah. yeah. Ba- basically what you do if you're a fed or a copper working the beat, searching out the serial killer, you <laughs> want to get a... Uh, you want to get a signature, you want to get a modus operandi, an MO, yeah. and you want to combine those to come up with a profile. And a signature is like um, if you pose your victims in a certain pose or if you always dump them in uh, a certain spot, that's a signature that you can look at to help profile. Or even the um, the the way you dispatch your victims. Yeah, well, that's part of the MO, the way you kill them, certainly. The ritual of it, that's a big time giveaway but what i what i found interesting was that the mo changes and evolves and actually grows more mature over time um basically it's the killer learning from past mistakes right so your mo is going to so if like your early mo was you know luring somebody into a van in like a crowded area right right and you almost get caught a couple of times then you may lure somebody into your van still but it's not going to be in a crowded area anymore or something like that right. so that's that's an example of the mo changing over or time or lure them into your el camino in a crowded area yeah i think you can generally trust people who drive el caminos so. yeah but the van the abduction van if you've got a tiny round window on the back rear side of your and van and that's it then you're in big trouble. You do not get in a van like no, that. I don't As care. As a matter of fact, just stay out of vans entirely. <laughs> they, it almost always ends up badly for the person who is lured in there. Yeah, that's why they invented the minivan, actually. What? That's why they invented the minivan, because it just looks more family-friendly and not like you're a serial killer. Yeah. That's what, that, that's what I heard. Uh, it makes sense, actually. <laughs> so uh, profiling, Josh, started in the uh, 70s. with uh, Ted Bundy was one of the first ones, actually. Yeah, and I guess they nailed him. Yeah, right? like they had time. him down cold. Yeah, they said that his profile was almost perfect, right down to the point where they predicted that we, he would have a stepbrother. That's like pretty serious profiling if you're getting that detailed. Yeah, and they were right. Yeah, it so, makes you wonder though uh, what all they missed though. Yeah, that's they're true. like oh, they got a stepbrother wrong, but they uh, or the right, but they they got his address wrong. They right, were off by like a number. Right, and we thought he was Chinese, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. He was Ted Bundy. <laughs> His was and really. We don't creepy. know what the whole skydiving <laughs> thing was. We were just spitball right. in there. Yeah, Bundy, like he ravel, unraveled, man. He 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 killed people for years. He's known for the University of Florida deal in the sorority house, mm-hmm. but that was like at the very end. He had killed people for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden just flipped and walked into a sorority house and started killing people. That's crazy. And then he got pulled over for a traffic ticket. That's how they caught him. Yeah, how did they catch him? Like they knew who they were looking for. You know, I'm not exactly or sure. Or did he have like a sorority girl in the back or what? I don't know. I think they had already had a profile or leads or something at that point, and he, they tripped him up. And Berkowitz, son of Sam, they caught, like they actually apprehended him and then let him go, and he was going to be like a witness to one of the murders that he committed right. with the cops. And then they were like, wait a minute, you said that you were just talking to your neighbor's dog? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, he didn't talk back, man. That's what I would have said. Right. But he said, oh, yeah, and he talked back. Right. And he told me to kill people. Right. Uh, or BTK. We talked about the blind, blind uh, uh, tap dance killer. Right. This guy is the saddest serial killer ever. Yeah. He is terrible. He was terrible at it. He killed like three people over the span of like 26 years. Yeah. And you know how he got caught, right? <laughs> yeah. I saw, um, I, I'm sure it was on Discovery, our fine, fine parent corporation, right? Sure. 
um, they were interviewing like one of the investigators who was working the BTK case and cracked it. And he was taunting the police, but he wasn't a really smart guy. Uh-huh. So he sent a floppy disk um, to the cops yeah. taunting them with uh-huh. a Microsoft Word document yeah. and didn't understand that there's this thing called metadata, right. which has all sorts of very um, specific information about the computer that you use that on. And he used it at the church mm-hmm. that he uh, was a deacon at. Right. And um, they got him like a couple of days later. But I remember one of the detectives going like, we actually thought it was like somebody trying to frame somebody else. Like right. we couldn't believe that somebody would be that sloppy or that dumb. Right. And sure enough, he was. I know. Dummy. Yeah. And he he wanted a position of authority, do anything for it. So he was like dog catcher for a while. Or right. Like anything that had a uniform, he would right. do. Yeah. Uh, I should go ahead and point out before we get assaulted with listener mail. I know he wasn't called the bind tap dance <laughs> kill. Right. That's yeah. an inside joke between us and a super fan. Yes, it is. It I'm was trying, torture. Try to figure that out. Bind torture and kill. Um, the one I was fascinated with was uh, Peter Woodcock, Canadian uh, serial killer. You wouldn't think there's a lot of Canadian serial killers because they're Picton was I think laid back. Cool in my dudes. opinion, the worst serial killer ever, Robert Picton, was Canadian. He was from really? um, Vancouver. Was he angry he that was he was the an pig American farmer? He <laughs> feed like his victims to his pigs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ugh. He was uh, yeah, he was angry. That- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not American. I'm gonna <laughs> kill everybody that's American. Yeah. We're just kidding, Canadians. We love you. But Peter Woodcock was a Canadian, and he spent 35 years in a psych hospital in Canada after he had killed uh, three people. He was what they thought was rehabilitated, which is the point of this is that you can't rehabilitate a serial killer pretty much. They thought he was rehabilitated. They said, you know what? We're going to give you some leeway. We're going to let you out on like some weekend passes now. He got his first weekend pass. Uh, and his supervisor for the weekend pass was a former patient who was also a former murderer. And within the first hour that they let him off on his weekend pass, he and that his his guy that was watching him killed a dude. Oh, really? With a hatchet and a knife. Within the first hour of his first weekend pass, wow. He and his chaperone killed another patient. Wow. <laughs> so that's a that's a bad guy. Yeah, that did not work out too well. So Chuck, you got anybody else? Yeah, we're like. Uh, Coming up against it, I have a big list, and to keep Josh from eating it, I'll just go ahead and skip <laughs> to the front of it, to um, Harold Frederick Fred Shipman is supposedly the most prolific serial killer in known history, and he is positively linked to 250 murders. What? He was Dr. Death. You ever hear that guy, Dr. Death? No, was he a doctor? He, yeah, he was a general practitioner, and he targeted <laughs> his female patients. And this was like, you know, 2004 was when he hung himself in jail. So, Wow. He's supposedly the most prolific of all time. What about the Colombian guy? Uh, Luis Alfredo Gavarito Cubillos, otherwise known as The Beast or La Bestia. He raped and murdered 140 boys, but they suspect as many as 300. And in Colombia, you can only go to jail for 30 years, but they reduce that to 22 years. So he is out. He is out, and his whereabouts, I believe, are unknown, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, so he is out. Yeah. And as Chuck said, can't cure a serial killer. No. Because they're not insane. Right. So uh, if you want to know more about serial killers, there's a pretty awesome article on the site called How Serial Killers Work. You can type that into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which, of course, leads us to listener mail. Hold on, partner. Okay. (laughs) 
We have a little bit of uh, admin work to get out of the way about our New York trip, some announcements. Okay, let me shuffle some papers here. Uh, well, t-shirts first. Let's go t-shirts. The t-shirt contest is on in in for reals. It's on and popping. And it's, uh, it's I think popping and locking. The end of May is um, at midnight is the deadline. So get your submissions in. If you submitted, resubmit within the window. Yeah. If you're not American, I'm really sorry, but. Uh, you Are we excluding? Yeah, you have to, dude. Really? Yeah. So wait, Canadians can't? No, enter. man. It stinks. But like I told everyone that wrote in, I can't win a contest in England either. What? E- every country has their own rules. What? And uh, you you got to be a, a, a citizen of this country. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. I had no idea. That's just the way it's got to be. I got to go back and read the fine print. I know. Huh. Okay, well, yeah, sorry to everybody who lives outside the U.S. I know, it's a bummer, but that's Yet just... Yet another reason it sucks to be you? It's not our rules. Yeah, it's no, no, we would never come up with something like that. It's the rules of the world. It's the planet the Earth. rules of the United States, apparently. Yes. So, New York, Josh. Yeah. We are coming to New York, and we have two events pending. One for sure. Ding! And one TBD. Ding. Uh, Monday night, June 7th, we will be at the Knitting Factory in scenic Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Super uh, hipster central That's right. Brooklyn. I don't know that I'm going to be able to. I got skinny jeans for both of us. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> I'm not wearing those. Um, yeah, skinny jeans in the IZOD Oxford don't really yeah, go, unless it's like three sizes too small. And it kind of is. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing a little happy hour get together from 530 to 730. There will be a concert to follow that actually costs money if you want to get into that. It's like 12 bucks, I think. Yeah. And The Onion is sponsoring that. Yep. And uh, there will be folks from The Onion hanging out with us, too, so you can meet them. Yeah, which will be super cool. I'm looking forward to meeting them in person. Yeah, so be there, be square. And then Wednesday night, June 9th, we are going to do an all-star trivia challenge. And we are rounding out our all-star trivia team that Josh and I are on, and it's pretty exciting. Yes, all special mystery guests yes we uh, th- I'll tell you what let's confirm one person um, the editor-in-chief of the onion newspaper is on our team Joe Randazzo Joe Randazzo he's one of our buddies now yeah and um, the other people uh, we don't want to announce just yet because I'd hate to say that you know Mr. T is going to be there if he's not going to be there I can't believe you just gave it away <laughs> so uh, that is going to be uh, you come you challenge us for bragging rights at trivia uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun at Bar Trivia and uh, Location TBD, but that'll be Wednesday, June 9th. And co-ed. Yes. We can't spill, leave them Spill out. the beans, Josh. Okay, so um, if you have heard our two-part Guatemala series, you're familiar with co-ed. If not, um, they are a great organization that creates um, self-sustaining textbook and computer centers. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can actually support these guys with a $5 donation by texting... The word stuff, S-T-U-F-F, to 20222. Yep. You'll get a uh, text back saying, you sure? You sure about this? Mm-hmm. And all you do is text yes, and it'll charge you five bucks. And what'd you say off mic? Some, what applies? Uh, text and data rates may apply. Okay, very nice. And uh, if it's actually all these, this is another thing only for Americans, because it's different cell companies in different countries. So if you want to give and you live outside the United States, you can go to uh, coeduc.org, it's and they have a place where you can donate there wherever you live, even if you live on Mars. Nice. Mars. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. It's listener mail time, huh? Indeed. 
Josh, we're short on time. I'm going to call this Top 10 Reasons to Hate Stuff You Should Know. Oh, Noah. I love this one. That's good. Yeah. Um, number one reason to hate us. Josh and Chuck frequently butcher names and words during the podcast and misuse I and me in a gross perversion of the English language. Check. Number two, we <laughs> cause ordinary people to become inebriated while listening by saying a few key words. Number three, it is not released frequently enough and causes addicted listeners to moan in pain between Tuesday and Thursday. I can see that. Uh, number four, catchy theme music easily gets stuck in listeners' heads. Number five, Chuck and Josh swear in the podcast and the beeps can cause hearing damage. Number six, Jerry is seldom mentioned, not true, and has never been heard live on the air. And some fans postulate that Chuck and Josh keep her locked in a closet between podcasts. Number seven, uh, stuff you should know instructs on a wide variety of illegal topics, including... Nuclear weapons, money laundering, and the Ponce schemes. Number eight, Chuck and Josh use horrible plug similes. True. Yeah. Number nine, they disillusion listeners by stating that they record two every Friday when it's common knowledge that they record every Tuesday and Thursday instead. Uh, no. Not true. And number ten, in addition to possibly keeping Jerry locked in the closet, we also torture her by going off on long-winded introductions. True. It's a bad one to put on the end of the series. And at times, getting completely off topic, way, way true. Always a huge fan, Noah. Thanks, Noah. We appreciate that top ten list. That's pretty awesome listener mail. Agreed. Yeah. If you have awesome listener mail for us, we want to read it. And if you have any crazy serial killer stories, grizzly or otherwise, how about those? You want those? Yeah, if you got some first-hand experience, obviously not if you're not a serial no, killer, but no, Chuck, if no. you know of someone who was or like any cool link. If you have a, something to say about serial killers, put it in an email. Send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at VisitCalifornia.com.